Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Back to the book of John tonight, chapter 17. Remember we have kind of determined that John 17 is what we would call the Lord's Prayer. Categorizing the Our, our Father Prayer as the, what, what is called uh, the Disciples Prayer. Amen. That's how he taught the disciples to pray. And we're just taking a little bit of time here last week, this week, may go into next week or may, I don't know, we'll see how it goes tonight. Studying the love of the Father, the Father's love toward us. Helping you to understand how much God loves you. But you know, the fact that God loves you, you know, you think, well, God loves me. Well, praise God. But if you really understand it according to Scripture and the reality of what that means, that God loves you, you will understand that there are certain things in your own life that you will alter and you will adjust for no other reason than God loves me, therefore I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do that. Now, now let's, let's, let's stay in our faith arena, which we like to do because we're people of faith. And when we say people of faith, we're not talking about a denomination or talking about a, a, a you know, particularly a, a flavor of believing. We're talking about people that understand that there is a force in the Word of God called faith that the Word of God produces in the heart of every believer that is a force that helps us to access the unseen realm and bring into the seen realm that which is in the unseen. Amen. See, everything that you have need of has already been given. It's already been given. God's already given us all things, the Bible says, that pertain unto life and godliness, that through the Word of God or the precious promises of God, we can be partakers of it, or partakers of the divine nature. So what your faith does is it appropriates that which has already been provided. And that's everything from healing to prosperity to a plan for your life. A way to get you out of something you may have gotten yourself into. Uh, 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 idea for a business. Uh, uh, a way for you to be more efficient on your job. There's so much that God has, has, quote, packaged for us and that is laid up in that unseen realm. And when you understand it's there, then you, you, really, have, you really desire, I want that. I want that for me. I want what faith can produce. Uh, people say all the time, are you one of those faith people? Uh, yeah, I am one of those faith people. But then there's another category, a, a category of people. We saw it a lot over in Europe. You don't see it much here. Uh, people they call the faith healers. You ever heard of a, that term? A are you a faith healer? No, I'm not a faith healer. Amen. I teach faith and you can get healed. But see, all over Europe back in the 90s, there were these guys traveling around and they were, they were basically just a bunch of, I don't know what you could call them. They were, they were not good. Amen. Uh, but they were basically dealing with familiar spirits and all kinds of things like that. And they just got a lot of people in a lot of trouble. And a lot of people, we had to get delivered because of what they were going around doing. But we by faith believe God. And by faith, we believe God loves us. Because the Word of God produces in us faith to understand that He does. Now in John chapter 17, as we read last week, let's go back to verse 23. Then we'll go to John 15. It says, I in them and thou in me that they may be made perfect in one, and the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be, wi be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, 
For thou lovest me before the foundations of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it. Now notice this. And the love. Everybody say the love. And the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Now we know over in Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible says, verse 1 there, God had at sundry times and in diverse manners spake unto times past unto the, uh, unto the fathers by the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, or we could say it like this, by Jesus Christ. So we could actually say this, Jesus is God speaking to us. Not just, in, not just in word, not just through a proclamation, but also through a demonstration. Amen. We know that three and a half years of miracle ministry, uh, Jesus was involved in that after being anointed at John's baptism with the Holy Ghost and power, Acts 10, uh, 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So we must understand that the love of God and God, we just sang the song, God is good. Now we so take that for granted around here at Island Church. We talk about God being good. We talk about God not being mad at you. We talk about God not being upset with you. We talk about God loving you, about, about God caring for you. But you've got to understand, you get outside the four walls of Island Church, and that concept is a foreign concept in this world. People are convinced that God's out to get them. Amen. I, I heard somebody say this. I, I hid from God as long as I could. You know, until he finally caught up with me and gave me that terrible car wreck and landed me on my back in the, in the hospital. Well, God didn't give you a terrible car wreck and land you on, the back of the, in the, land you on your back in the hospital. That wasn't God that did that. We've determined by the word of God, by the word of God, that God does not do those things. It's the thief that comes, not for, for, to, for, for to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life. That's the word zoe, which is the God kind of life. Life without pain. Life without worry. Life without care. She said, now come on, Pastor. You've got you to gotta be worrying. You've got to be caring if you're on this planet. No, the Bible says you can cast all your cares upon him. Why can you cast your cares upon him? Because he loves you. Amen. The Bible says in the Amplified, in that scripture, in the book of 1 Peter, that he cares about you affectionately and watches over you lovingly. God loves you. That's such a foreign concept to the world. Well, if we don't show forth, if our lives do not show forth, and I'm talking about the way we live. I, I had a deal written in the, I forget who quote, whose quote that is, but I thought it was really good. Preach the gospel, use words if necessary. Our lives ought to preach the gospel without our words. People ought to look at us and be jealous that, that, that God's got favorites. I'll look at you and say, man, you know, that person serves God. Uh, he, he, he must be one of God's favorites. God's really blessing him. Well, that's the way God, God wants your life to preach the gospel to the world. And the gospel that God wants your life to preach is for God so loved the world. And he is loving this person and loving this person and loving this family and loving this couple and loving this church. And they are receiving and assimilating and transmitting that love and showing the whole area they live and the whole community they live that God loves them. Listen, nothing we are doing or are we doing out of compulsion. We're not compelled 
You say, what do you mean? Uh, uh, the money that we give to missions. Uh, the benevolence that we perform in the community. We're not trying to get brownie points. Say, oh God, you know, let's give more backpacks this year. Maybe God will recognize us and love us more. Let's see if we can feed a few more people uh, over in Central America or clothe a few more orphans and orphans. Let, let, let's, let's let our works uh, try to earn us. No, God loves us that much without us doing anything. What we are doing, we do because God loves us that much and you just can't contain it all. You've got to let it out and love others with it. Amen. And then by recognizing how much God loves you, and seeing how much God loves you, then you begin to create or you begin to develop a reverential fear of God. You say, now what are you talking about there? There begins to develop on the inside of you without a creed of do's and don'ts, without law or legalism, there becomes adjustments in your own behavior that you begin to make because you fellowship in and around the love of God, which also manifests the holiness of God. Amen. Amen. And when you begin to realize that, then you begin to realize, hey, this thing isn't about a creed or a code of do's and don'ts. It's actually about me receiving the love of God and recognizing how much he loves me. And because of that, there are things I just ain't going to do. And there are things I'm going to do because God loves me. A good, a good example, the prodigal son. You could, you could, if you were to draw illustrations of the, of the father being the heavenly father and the prodigal being a, 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 a child of the father's family that had taken the blessing of the father's house and gone somewhere and wasted it away and then come back to the father. And the father bestowed upon him tremendous mercy and love. And one of the first things the father did was to do what? Was to put a robe on him. Now see, we wouldn't do that. Because when the prodigal came back, what did he smell like? He smelled like a pig pen. He smelled like everything he'd been wallowing in, everything he'd been drinking, everything he'd been smoking, everything he'd been... He smelled like the world. He looked like the world. He wasn't clean shaven. He smelled... He reeked not only in the natural, but also just his life and lifestyle of so many years of, of, of using up the Father's blessing. The shame that must have meant. So here he comes, and the Father does what? He takes this beautiful, spotless, laundered, wonderful smelling robe and wraps it around his son. It did not say he required a bath first. The father didn't say, go clean up, and if you'll clean up, i got something for you to put on. No, the father knew, if I can get the robe on him, he will have a revelation. He will smell the robe. He will smell himself. He will see the robe. He will see himself. When he smells the robe, smells himself, sees the robe, sees himself, he will have a revelation of his need to clean himself up. To alter how he smells, to alter how he looks, so that what fits in the robe complements the robe. Instead of it being something that does not complement it. Amen. 
Well, when you got born again, God wrapped you with the robe of righteousness. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ. You have right standing with God. And when you begin to realize that, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you ever hung, there, there were certain ministers I would hang around when I had the opportunity. And there were a few of them that when I hung around them, I wanted to make sure I was squeaky clean. Amen. Leah knows what I'm talking about. Brother Summerall was one of them. I'm telling you, I made sure. I was like, Lord, if there's anything I have done and don't know, anything I haven't done and don't know, please cleanse me of that before I get around Brother Summerall. Amen. Because, Brother, I'm telling you, you talk about somebody who lived holy and righteous. Brother, we spent some time around Oral Roberts. I tell you, you get in the presence of some of those guys that's got that, got that reputation of, uh, of living for God and standing for God. And even when there was criticism and all kinds, they still stood for God and stood for righteousness and stood for holiness. You get around them, it, 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 it comes off of them. There's a holiness about them. See, receiving the love of God and recognizing there is a need in your own life to clean up. When you begin to get around the holy things of God, the righteous things of God, you get around the teaching of the Word of God, you get around praise and worship, you get around all the good things that God is doing, you begin to get the aroma and the aura of the spiritual righteousness you have in Christ, you begin to desire to be cleaner. We're just the opposite. It's true. You go hang around the world. You go hang around the beer joints and all the places where the world hangs around. and Then just the opposite happens. You get used to that or you get callous to that. And that suppresses the righteousness on the, the righteousness on the inside of you. Because you're yielding to your flesh and your soul. So it dominates your spirit. And next thing you know, you think, well, man, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be around them Christian people. I don't want to be around all of that. Why? Because you've soiled yourself. And you're afraid somebody may see it. I remember when I was a kid, Mom Goodwin, she used to, before she knew things by the Holy Ghost, it'd scare the fire out of you. So I spent a lot of time in the bathroom repenting before I went into the service. <laughs> now, amen. I mean, it used to scare me. I'd go in the bathroom. I'd be down there, right down by the toilet, right down, kneeled down by the come over. Lord, forgive me for cussing at football practice. And, and then, you know, I took a drag off of Kenny Williams' cigarette, and I, and, I, and I did this, and I did that. And, you know, I'd be down there, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, because I knew if, he'd, if I'd ask for forgiveness, he'd have to forgive me. Amen. And if he forgive me, he'd forget it. And if he forget it, he couldn't tell her. <laughs> For you that want to know, that doesn't work. That doesn't work, I'm telling you right now. Amen. No, it took getting into the Word. It took, it took a fellowshipping around the things of God. It took recognizing how much God loved me, how much God cared for me, and it literally gave me a revelation of how I don't want the, I don't want the world. I don't want its music. I don't want its attitudes. I don't want its ideas. I don't want the way it looks. I don't want anything that, that taints me. I want the love of God because the love of God produces that, that, that holiness in you that separates you and calls you to live a sanctified life. Amen. Amen. Uh, there's a lot of teaching on grace right now that I don't agree with. 
And there's some really famous preachers that are preaching it. And they're talking about, well, the grace of God, the grace of God, and the grace of God just covers us in all these areas. And, you know, if, you, if, you, if you've got this in your lifestyle, and, it's, you know, it may not be, uh, you know, uh, something that's really bad. And you may have something over here in your lifestyle, and it might not be something that's really bad. But, but, you know, grace covers it all. Grace covers it all. Well, here's the problem. My Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, to lay aside every sin, but also every weight. Amen. And so when you begin to judge yourself from everything to the places you go, to the music you listen to, to what you hang around, what you do, I'm telling you there are some powerful forces out there that you may think it's okay to be a part of that and to have that in your life. But in reality, what it does is it soils or it taints you and it separates you from that which God desires for you to be and have. It cannot separate you from his love, but you can separate yourself from it. Amen. Now, go to, go to, how's my time? Oh, I'm doing good tonight. Go to chapter 15. Let's flip back to chapter 15, just a minute. Chapter 15, the book of John. Verse 7, this is familiar scripture. Let's read here for a minute. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear what? Much fruit. Everybody say much fruit. God desires that you bear much fruit. Now, it says this, so shall you be my disciples. It says, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Now, what did we talk about the love of God being? Not a passive force, but an active force. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Amen? So when you begin to understand that this love of God is a powerful active force that God wants to extend to you, it is something that you can accept into your life. I, when you got born again, you accepted the love of God. Amen. When you got filled with the Holy Ghost, you accepted the love of God. When you made a decision to be healed in your body, you accepted the love of God. Every time you respond to, a, to, a, to an offering and give and sow into the kingdom of God, you are accepting the love of God. You're saying, God has activated something on behalf of me. He has given me something I do not deserve. He's given me something that I do not earn. He loves me not because of the things that I've done, but he loves me because of whom, whom I am. Because I belong to Jesus, whom he loveth, then he put me in Christ. And with the same love that he loves the one that sits at his right hand. With the same love that the love, with the same love that he loves the one that bears the marks of the cross, whose blood is on the mercy seat, with the same love the Father loves him with, he also loves me with. Because he knew, he knew. That through salvation, a covenant of blood would be cut between the Father and the Son. And because the Son came down and identified with humanity, got into a human body, ever whosoever that would call upon the name of the Lord would be born again out of the human family and into God's family. And in so doing, they would receive the love of the Father reserved only for the Son. 
Now, when you begin to think about that and meditate upon that, you begin to see that God does not have any favorites. He only has those that have progressed more and more into his love than others. He said, well, God sure has blessed so-and-so. Well, he's just been walking in this thing for a while. Well, he sure has blessed so-and-so. Well, he's just accepted that God loves me. It's amazing how somebody who lives a horrible life, one of the greatest testimonies of, uh, you ought to go read his book, or he's in the book that's talked about in, in David Wilkerson's books, where it talks about Nicky Cruz, the cross and the switchblade. And, and Nicky Cruz was a heroin addict in the streets of New York. And David Wilkerson was basically a street preacher that went around preaching uh, to, the, to the drug addicts in New York. He'd wear a suit and tie and he'd go preach. Nicky Cruz came up one night and was threatening to kill him, took a switchblade and was just flicking the buttons off of his coat. And as he did it, he thought he looked at him and said, what do you think about that? And, and David Wilkerson looked at him and said, all I can tell you is this, son, is God loves you. If you stab me with that knife and kill me in the street right now, that does not remove the reality that God loves you. That so got into Nicky Cruz that it wasn't but about two weeks later, he found this guy on the street, bowed his knee to God, got saved, got filled with the Holy Ghost, and has been a tremendous evangelist ever since. How many have read his testimony? What got him? Was it doctrine? No. Was it a big building? No. Was it a sign, a wonder, a miracle performed in front of him? No. What was it? This guy that would not quit telling him, God loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus is God loving you. Jesus is God speaking to you. He's made a provision for you. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to live in hell on this earth. You can have all that God has. You can be all that God wants you to be. You can have everything that God has provided for. All you have to do is accept it. It melted him. When you, when you see him give his testimony, even to this day, he gets to the part where he goes, and big tears start rolling down his face. He's still so tender. You say, why? Love of God will keep you tender. Sin, the deceitfulness of sin will harden you. But the love of God keeps you so tender, so sweet, so kind. So it, it, it literally helps you to manifest that which you have received. Amen. Now look at this again. Let's look at this one scripture. Verse 10. Eh, let's start at verse 9 again. As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue in my love. If ye keep my commandments, you abide in my love. Well, what is the new commandment that he commanded us? To love one another. Now we studied this back in the summertime. About what the church is trying to do. It's tried to love God, then it's tried to go love the world. Amen. Now, you say, what do you mean it's tried to love God? The church says, we're going to love God. So what it's done is everybody has come up with their own set of rules. Amen. This denomination says you got to do this, this, that, and this. And this denomination says you do this, 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 and this. And this denomination says you can't do this, 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 and this. And this denomination says you can do this, 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 and this. Are you with me? And so what they're saying is this is how we love God. You know, what do they call it? This is our faith. This is how we love God. It does not work. You have to let God love you first. You have to accept. You have to receive. You have to acknowledge 
that no matter how good you think you are, how great you think you are, what you've done, what you've this, all this, that it's only the mercy, the grace, and the love of God that has brought salvation into your life. So you open your arms wide and you say, Lord, I am someone on earth in need of a God that loves them, that loves them. What was the little, the, the little Pakistani guy's name? Uh, Jacob Curran. He was a little Pakistani uh, guy. I uh, used to give his testimony full gospel business, and then he preached crusades all over the world. And he had a testimony. It was amazing. Every time he'd give it, it just, it just freaked you out. He was a pilot in the Pakistani uh, 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 Air Force. Flew a jet, flew a fighter jet in their Air Force. And he was a, he thought he was Hindu, didn't really know, but he drank and he had all these problems. And so he lined up, he got the two or three, he said two or three Hindu books. He got the Quran. He got these other books and he lined them. And the very last book was a Bible. And he opened them all up. And at the end, he said it was a table and there was about five books. At the end was his, was his military issue pistol that he carried. So what he was going to do is he's going to go to each book and pray. If there's a God in this book, reveal yourself to me. If there's a God in this book, God in this book, God in this book. He says, if I get to the end and no God answers me, I'm going to pick up my pistol and I'm going to blow my brains out. That's what he said. So he prayed. He said, I took time. He said, I did it reverently. I did it. He said, I prayed to each book. If there is a God in this book, if there is a God in this book, if there, and then he'd go to the next. He said, he got to the Bible and he said, if there is a God in this Bible, I need to know. And I need to know right now. And he said, he lifted up his hands like this and looked up and he said, the heavens and the, and the, and the, and the ceiling above him opened up and there was this huge light. And he looked and at the top, he said, Jesus was standing at the top with his hands out like this. And he said, Jacob, you don't have to die. I died for you. I love you. And he said, when I recognized that and saw that, I realized of all the gods, there's only one that loved me. And this is what he said. I thought, I thought it was a profound revelation. I can accept the God that loved me. Let me say that again. I can accept the God that loved me. So Jesus said, what? What does he say? If you keep my commandments, you abide. You live. If you want to live anywhere, you want to live in his love. You want to live in the love of God. What's he say over in John 14? If you love me, keep my commandments. What is that the proof of? Keeping his commandments, which is loving one another. The great commandment is proof that you love Jesus. Uh, we've said it before. We'll say it again. There's always people. Everybody knows someone. Everybody's got an Uncle Bob or an Uncle Bill or, or an Aunt Ruth or somebody. And they don't go to church and, and they don't give to missions and, and they don't teach Sunday school and they don't do any of that. But they, quote, really do, really do love God. No, they don't. No, they don't. You say, why? Because we're not talking about a feeling. We're not talking about an emotion. We're not talking about somebody that just takes their hat off when the prayer's being said. Well, they must really love God. No, no, no. If you love me, if you want to abide in the love of God, if you want to abide in God's love, then you do what? You keep his commandments. Amen. Now, what that does... In loving God and letting God love you, as we said, it creates in you a reverential fear of the Lord. There are things you will not do. I don't lie. Why? 
because I love God. I don't cheat on my income tax. Not even a penny. Why? I love God. There are things on the radio I don't listen to. Why? I love God. There's music I don't listen to. Why? I love God. You say, now that's all a bunch of legalism. I'm not talking about it being a rule. I'm not talking about it being a commandment. I'm talking about it being a decision because of a recognition of something greater that whatever I give up because I love God, he provides something greater for me to take the place of that to give me the real thing I was looking for when I was messing with that in the first place. I don't smoke dope, why? I love God. So he has provided for me a peace. He has provided for me a, how can, how can you say it? A peace and a, and a heart that you're, when, you, when you go to alcohol or drugs, you're looking for a peace. You're looking for something that'll, that'll, that'll calm. You're looking for something that will help. No, no, you can't find it in that. All you find is a substitute. When the real, the real is what? The peace of God that passes all understanding that you receive when you receive the love of God. He gives you a peace that's stronger than any drug, stronger than any prescription, stronger than any alcohol, stronger than any any of those things. And you realize because I've allowed God into my life and he loves me and I love him. He has provided for me that peace that passes all understanding. So therefore, I don't need to go to the world. I don't need to go to the street dealer. I don't need to go do this. I don't need to go do that. You say, why are you preaching like that? Because it's going to become more and more acceptable. If you don't believe me, move to Colorado. They're smoking dope on the streets now. It won't be long. They'll be doing it here. Amen. What are you going to do? Well, it's legal. It's a substitute for the love of God. Single people, you don't need to be caught up in sex. And sexual things. Why, pastor? If married people can do it, everybody has needs. It's 2014. It's really not that big a deal. It is that big a deal. When God has packaged it within the package of marriage, then God will provide for you that which is needed to help keep you where you need to be until you can find the right man or the right woman and come together in holy matrimony and be married and then that be in your life. Otherwise, stay away from it. You say, why? It will harden you. It will taint you. It will harm you. Amen. See, people don't even consider, well, you know, it really doesn't matter. It's, 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 uh, 2014, you know, doesn't make any difference. We keep that commandment not because it's a law, but because we love God more than to think we have to supply ourselves with something that He cannot supply for us. You see what I'm saying? So when you begin to understand that, then your life begins to revolve in and around. God loves me so much that I have this need. I'm lonely. See, here's what a lot of people think when they're, when they're, they're not married. I'm lonely. I'm lonely. I'm alone. I have been more unalone by myself. You say, what do you mean? Well, I, when Lee and I first got married, I just took off. Boom, I was gone. 
I remember one time there was, what, 21 days I was gone. Didn't even get to talk to you on the phone. I remember as soon as I got to a phone, I could call her. I, I flew into to, uh, to Honolulu from Manila. I had gotten back into Manila, but was only there for a, for a few hours before I got on a plane and flew back into Honolulu. I got into Honolulu. It was, like, it was like 6 in the morning. It was like noon or something here. And she was at her shop, and I called him. Is Leah there? Oh, she's doing something. Else. I said, I don't care. Put her on the phone now. I want to talk to my wife. Remember that? Well, we spent approximately seven years apart, the first 10 or 12 years of our marriage, alone, away from one another. Well, we didn't have to have affairs. Amen. We don't have to have what the world has when that kind of stuff happens. You say, why? Because the love of God in us, which we founded our marriage, not on the eros love of most marriages. We founded it on the agape of God's love then we had something a little stronger than our physical desire. And so when loneliness and things try to creep in on you, and we fought some battles. Leah had a battle with fear she had to fight. I had some battles I had to fight. I went to some areas that were very, very, uh, how can I say, violent, where there were things going on. We don't talk a lot about that. But down in the Philippine Islands in the early 90s, over in Ireland, North and South Ireland, when a lot of what we call the troubles were going on, I was right in the middle of all of that. You don't think the devil will put a fear on your wife? Especially when you go turn on the television in a city that she knows I'm in. There's just been a bombing here or a bombing there. Or this has happened or that's happened. I mean, the enemy will torment your mind if you'll let him. But she had enough faith in God to keep me wherever I was. I had enough faith in God to keep her wherever I was. To keep each other's self. To bring us back together in the love of God. Amen. And it worked for the whole 18 to 20 years that we were in field ministry. Same thing will work for you. The love of God. If you just make a decision, I'm going to abide in His love. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Therefore, you get born again. Let me go close with this. You're born again. You begin to realize I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I wear that robe of righteousness on the inside. It marks me. Wherever I go on this island, there is something about me that this world will see. My life preaches the gospel. It manifests the love of God. The way I talk, the way I look, where I go, how I act. I've been in some conversations lately where some people have challenged some things that I've believed and I've just said, hey, well, that's not, that's not the way I believe. That's not the way it is. That's not what the Word says. Well, God just loves everybody. He loves everybody, but He doesn't love what everybody does. Your proof of your love toward God is when He loves you and loves what you do. That's His seal of approval. So, well, none of us are perfect. No, none of us are. Nobody's perfect, but you can sure try to be. You can sure live like you are and make a decision that there's some greater things that I desire in my life than that which my flesh desires or my mind needs. What I really need is my heavenly father. What are you going to do? Here's the deal. Well, when we go to that Judgment seat of Christ. The words that Jesus will speak to you 
that you want to hear. This is your eternal reward. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest that I have provided for you. What does all that have to do? That has with God loving you so much and recognizing that if you will spend your life down here abiding in the love of God, living a greater life than anybody could ever live anywhere else, that when you finish that, that there's a reward for you for eternity. That Jesus, the Son of God, God's love manifested for us who loved you enough to come down out of heaven and get into the womb of a woman and die for you and rise from the dead and then seat at the right hand of the Father for you to make you acceptable to God. That shows you how valuable you are. Let me just say this. The greatest self-respect building tool in the world is this right here. In here, you will find how valuable you are to God. You will find how much you're worth to God. You're not worth that to the world. You're not worth that to the world system. You're not worth that to any. But God, you're worth that much. He loves you so much, He's willing to give His only begotten Son for you. So when you accept it on that level, and you assimilate that love, and you begin to say, man, I like what one, I like what one preacher said. He was talking about the, uh, uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God pours out His Spirit. Jesus receives of the Father, the person, the power of the Holy Ghost. Then He takes it, and He pours it out on the day of Pentecost, and people begin to get filled with the Holy Ghost. They begin to speak with other tongues. This preacher, when he said it, I thought it was really cool. He said, that was just God reaching down around the world and giving every person that would say yes to Jesus a great big hug. You say, why? Hugs are tangible. So I wish God would hug me, get filled with the Holy Ghost. You get a great big old hug from God, amen? Tangible. He's withheld nothing from us. He cares for us. He loves us with a love. The Bible says that we cannot measure the height, the depth, or the breadth, the length. It says it's so big, there's no human measurement that can measure it. The only way you can know it is to experience it. Amen? And when you make a decision, that's what I want. I want that love. I want that love, that, 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 that drug addict in New York that he got, that pilot in the Pakistani Air Force that he got, that that preacher talks about. When you make, it starts the day you say yes to everything God has done for you in love. You are, if you're born again, you are God's love child. That's what you are. He loved you so much, you are now born again. He's pulled you into his family so that he can do what? <laughs> so that he can love you forever. He loved you once in Christ so that he can love you forever. And let me say, some of you really need to hear that. He loved you once in Christ and all that he did for us in Christ through the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension to the seat of the right hand of the Father, to all that will happen in the future, to the thousand-year millennium, the new heaven, the new earth, everything that's designed for us and for you is Him loving us once in Christ so that He can love us forever. I can love you forever. I really believe this. I don't teach this as doctrine because I really believe because what Jesus did when He walked on the earth was to what? Reveal the nature of the Father. Not the law of the Father. The nature. Amen. He would, he would say, I think it was four different times, he said, the words that I speak are not mine. These miracles that I do are not mine, but they're the Father's. The words of the Father's, the deeds of the Father's, the words of the Father's. The, now, if he did that for unregenerate humanity, to do what? 
to reveal how much the Father loved us, what will he do for us in heaven? I believe for the church, I just believe this, that we will be in a place in heaven worshiping God and Jesus will step forward and he will say, here is your Father. And he will reveal the Father. So no man could look upon his face. But we will be in such a place redeemed by the blood, purchased by his blood, minds renewed, glorified bodies. We will be in the place where Jesus can say, now here he is right here. Here is, here's the one that loves you. Here's the one that loved you so much. Here he is. Here he is right here. Well, can't you live for that day? I am. In my spirit, I sense that's the, Jesus as he revealed the Father on earth, he will reveal the Father in heaven. Don't want to miss it. How about you? Lift your hands and thank God tonight. Thank you Father, for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.